There are 22 suicides a day by our military and veterans right now. So I do America's want strong all the viewers to understand that PTSD does not make veterans. Veterans. Yes, I know you personally do have PTSD. Veterans, 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 military. Man, fuck you. Like, I'm perfectly capable of living in a cardboard box. I hail from Freedom Hill on my feet. I stand in what used to be felines and Reeboks. Welcome to the EAS Show. Interviews, stories, and perspectives on war and life in and out of the military. Straight from the bastards crazy enough to do America's dirty work. You have all these cats, dude, who are, you know, they're doing their time, then they're getting out, and then it's like suddenly, is now they're like, oh my god, you mean I have to actually achieve something again? And, and they're just fucking falling on this fucking act that, like, society's telling them is okay, but it's not okay. It's like, you know, take your sign that says don't shoot fireworks down, fucking take off the dysfunctional veteran hat, and get your ass to school, or get your ass out there and fucking do something else. Like, yeah, yeah, man. When in reality, that was John Mackler, like, former machine gunner for 2-9 Fox Company and a longtime friend of mine and Vinny's. We wanted to get his opinion on life after the military, see what he was up to. And we also wanted his thoughts on some of the problems veterans face when transitioning out. We'll hear more from him later. When you're on active duty and you know for certain that your ass is definitely not re-enlisting, you spend a lot of time thinking about getting out. Your EAS, your end of active service, that precious day when you get to drive off base for the last time, it's almost mythical. You build it up in your head like a 15-year-old thinking about the first time he'll get laid. But EASing, getting out, it's never as dramatic as you want it to be. Just like the first time you have sex and the clothes start coming off, you have no idea what you're doing. Sure, you tell your friends you lasted all night, you were a complete rock star. But inside, you were shitting bricks and actually only lasted for 48 seconds. You go from a shitty but reliable chow hall, free room and board and a guaranteed paycheck to the great unknown. You're a civilian again, but what the fuck are you going to do? You can get enrolled in classes, you can get a job, but the reality of a mundane and stressful civilian life sets in eventually. Civilians get fired. If you don't show up to class or do the work, you fail. If you don't pay rent, you lose your home. The reality is you can't skate like you used to. And while getting out is stressful, it doesn't have to be a nightmare. In fact, in my opinion, it's one of the least shitty parts about serving in the military. I'd much rather go through my transition from active duty than ever set foot in Bridgeport for another night in the snow ever again. And, at least to Vinny and I, being a civilian again is pretty fucking awesome. The military and private sector communities have gone to great lengths and expense to help construct a bridge for veterans to go from the island of active duty back to the civilian mainland. Veteran-friendly hiring initiatives, yellow ribbon programs to supplement the already robust GI Bill, housing programs, on and on. But a lot of veterans, at least in our experience, are figuring out that setting up a tent on the bridge might be easier than getting to the other side. The president of the school you know, invited a, a handful of veterans to come have lunch with them. And it was first come, first serve. You know, I got an email. I said, oh, yeah, that's cool. FaceTime with the president of the school. I mean, sure, why not, right? So I sign up and it turned into, I, I got there and there was like another dozen or 15 or so um, former service members and aside from the initial pleasantries, you know. Last spring, I was invited to attend a lunch with the president of our college. He wanted to hear about the student veteran experience straight from the horse's mouth. 
but it quickly devolved into an open form of complaints that the school, one of the friendliest to vets in the country, wasn't doing enough. They took care of everything. For the GI Bill to kick in, like I didn't, I barely had to do anything. I had to give them a little bit of paperwork, and that was it, right? It just, it was seamless almost. Yeah. But then one by one, as people start going around the table, that you know, complaints are coming out. Oh, we don't have enough space for a veterans lounge. And I was like, there's a veterans lounge? I'm like, yeah, it's this little room. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, there's, it's this little room where we, where we hang out. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's cool. I can see like needing the space, but it turned into like, yeah, I need that space. And then other people would kind of build on that. Like, yeah, I, you know, going around these schools, I don't feel safe, you know, with all these kids. You never know if they're going to cut you off in, in the parking lot or walk in front of you without saying, excuse, like, you know, I just don't, I, I got a lot of stuff, you know, going on. I mean, that just might set me off. You know, I can't help that. These kids don't, they don't respect us. They don't respect I can tell that most of the veterans in the room knew each other. They were joking around and busting each other's balls when I walked in. But after the lunch started, after we went around the room introducing ourselves, talking about what branch we served in, our units, things started to fall apart. One of the vets in the room, with overwhelming support from the others, abruptly told the president that the size of the veteran lounge was a joke. It was their safe space added another. Then the story started coming. I still clear rooms when I walk into them said a man in his 40s after having served in the National Guard some 20 years ago. I think to myself, this guy's cleared rooms before? The students went over their list of grievances in rapid succession to the point where they were cutting each other off. These guys wanted, they wanted credit for, having, for something they didn't do, first of all. They wanted this, all, you know, all of this attention for being, having PTSD or TBI or talking about being triggered on campus. And... I just couldn't believe that that was the conversation that they were having so candidly in front of the president of the fucking school. Right. And that's kind of what prompted, you know, you and I, Doc, to start talking about just... Seeing the look of surprise on the faculty present for the lunch, I spoke up. I did my best to be tactful, but I also wanted there to be no mistaking the fact that I was not a part of this chorus of discontent. The school shouldn't be dedicating resources to separate veterans from the student body. In fact, they should be doing the exact opposite. Getting out of the military is supposed to be like getting out of a relationship. Get out there. Move on. Right, you're supposed to reintegrate, you know? like You've done your fucking time. Now, you know, go back to society, you know? Like you're out. Let it go, you know? Move on. To form these fucking like bubbles of you know like-minded fucking victim people, you know, like it, it, it doesn't help you. Even if you are as fucked up as you're saying you are, then this is not going to help you. You know, like to to just sit around and fucking talk about how fucked up you are with other people who are you know just as eager to convince you because they just, they want you to be convinced to them. You know, it's like fucking Facebook fat chicks. You know what I mean? Like they put up a picture of them. You know, like they get a like. From some other fat chick, when she puts a picture, I'm still gonna like it. I'll be like, you're so beautiful. Like, you're like, fucking beautiful. But you, it's like your social contract. You guys are fucking non-verbally signed, you know, agreed into. It's an echo so, like, chamber. You, you, right, yeah, like, you're fucked up. You're fucked up, too. Yeah, we're fucked up. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's maybe what we're dancing around, but, I mean, just to call it out. After I said my piece, I was met with an immediate pushback from the other veterans in the room. Great. Now it's me against the world. An army guy with a shaved head scowled at me. 
It's the only thing I have, he says. He goes on to tell me that he doesn't leave the house ever, except to go to class and hang out in the veteran lounge. You don't buy groceries? I asked him. He responded by saying that he got injured, and while recovering in Germany, he tried to find a good school to attend that was friendly to vets. I was left wondering why he was so vague about his injury, and I couldn't help but feel like it was on purpose. Like he wanted me to assume he got shot or blown up in country. I didn't. I left the lunch in shock. I could not wrap my head around what I had just experienced. A group full of veterans saying that because they're so badass, they need special treatment to protect them from fucking kids. It didn't make any sense. I asked Vinny if he'd ever experienced anything like that. Yeah, for sure. I worked at the VA, you know, like in North Chicago, and there was... Was this after you got out? No, this is when I was still in. I was transitioning out. Um, But yeah, it was just fucking, you know, like for sale there, like fucking, you know, I'm a fucked up veteran patch and, you know fucking meditated for your protection and all this other horse shit yeah. just bragging about you know how fucked up I am you know like somehow like being fucked up validates you know your fucking servers are you know like you're, you're not you're not anything unless you're fucked up you know cause that's the that's the fucking the high water mark of whether or not you've actually done something you know and uh everybody wants to fucking have some kind of proof and you know sew a fucking patch on your vest and you got it you know but yeah, because you, you, you don't have the ribbons anymore. If, even if you were one of those guys that did see, you, you know, you don't have the stuff on your chest to wear to show off about to everyone like, yeah, don't mess with me because I got my combat action ribbon or whatever, you know, whatever the case is, whatever branch. You don't have that anymore. And nobody even knows that you're a veteran anyway, unless you go out of your way to display it as a civilian, which is a stupid thing to do anyway. That's why that fucking, they don't respect us thing. It's so fucking ridiculous. Like, they don't even know you. Turns out my story isn't an outlier. And really, the more Vinny and I discussed our experiences, the less we were surprised about these encounters. Service members are bombarded with transition briefs about how to get higher disability ratings. The very institutions that made us the few, the proud, or army strong, or whatever fucking slogan during our service are encouraging us to play possum for benefits after it. Add that to the assumption by civilians that every vet coming back from Iraq or Afghanistan is completely deranged, and it's easy to start buying into this wounded bird mentality. We brought Mackler into the discussion to get his hilarious and often insightful point of view. Uh, you know, I find myself to be a pretty fiercely loyal person once, once, you know, given a task or a purpose that I can get behind. I can kind of figure stuff out for myself, like... Um, a threshold for misery, if you actually allow it um, to show, is far beyond that, again, of the average bird. So it's like this whole fucking notion that you're like a broken puppy needing of, needing of help and warmth and all that shit. It's like we fucking lived through and suffered on a level that the average American cannot even fucking begin to fathom. So quite frankly, I feel, you know, it's like, you ain't fucking weaker than anybody. You're tougher. You know what I'm saying? So act like it. Mackler doesn't mince words. And he makes an excellent point. We all spent some number of years beating our chests about how tough we are because we're a Marine or a soldier or sailor or whatever. Now that we're out, we're too fucked up to move on. You just, you just have all these fucking idiots that, like, they, they want 
to be defined by that fucking four year span of their life when it's like, dude, that, that's a, that just needs to be a chapter in your book, but that ain't your life story. Like do something else, figure something else out, you know? And maybe that's the problem. We're humans. We naturally want to rest on our laurels. More importantly, if you incentivize us with money to act a certain way, chances are we will. Americans, perhaps embarrassed because of how they treated those returning from Vietnam, have taken it upon themselves to act as though every veteran is a hero. But we can smell the guilt behind that sentiment. Guilt for being at the mall while the military was at war for the last 15 years. It feels like veterans are starting to become a token character in someone else's story. You know, it's, it's, it's everything about it, right? You know, you, you got these commercials on the fucking, on the radio telling you, like, you know, like, hey, you know, you should hire veterans. Give veterans a job because veterans have skills and stuff, and they're coming back from, from being in the military and, and being in the wars, and, 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 you know, it'd be really nice. Like, it's some kind of a public fucking service to give us a job. You know, like, it's like, it's such a good fucking deed to give these poor veterans a job. Like, over here, like at the end of the day, we weren't, we're not victims. Nobody came to our house and fucking grabbed us up, threw us in chains, and then fucking dragged us off to fucking boot camp. Like, at some point, we all volunteered for that. You're not going to join the fucking military these days without volunteering. You're not going to be in the infantry in the Marine Corps without basically telling your recruiter you're not going to join unless he fucking brings out an infantry contract. <laughs> That's true. It just doesn't, yeah, it just doesn't happen. So this whole notion that it's like, it's been created because of these cats that are, that have this notion that they're now owed something big. That now because of this fucking four year stint or eight year or even 20 year stint, that now society like just has to fucking bend over backwards for them, man. It's like at the end of the day, dude, people don't know. People aren't going to fucking care. And if you expect them to, it's like, you just need to fucking calm yourself down and, and, and you know, do you. Just, like, re go throw yourself at something else. Don't just sit there, like, relying uh, on... You're, you're fucking, yeah, it's spot on. I'm a fucking, the higher veterans they made. I never, I never thought about that, but the, the, the dialogue is kind of, like, implied, like, they're broken, so you're doing them a favor by hiring them. You know, it's not they're the best person for the job. It's you're doing them a favor by hiring them. And I never yeah. And we know there are good programs out there. The Wall Street Warfighters Foundation, to name one, helps provide transitioning vets with guidance, licensing, and a foot in the door to arguably one of the most lucrative career fields on the planet, however hated. But not every veteran's service is equal. So how do companies decide who's more veteran? I don't pay attention enough to actually hear the organization. But, like, um, shit, man. Uh, pretty much, like, every fucking police department around here is like, oh, like, we'll give you veteran points. But, like, if you're an actual fucking combat vet, they're like, oh, man, you know, we just, we think you might actually shoot somebody. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, like. And I laugh at that, but that's, that's like a real problem, right? That, that narrative is not. 
Okay, so I do want all the viewers to understand that PTSD does not make you a violent person. I know people personally who have PTSD, and it can just be sometimes simple reactions to noises, or it can be discomfort in crowds. So we don't. Want and these are the fucking idiots educating the American public on veteran matters. <laughs> We're fucked. Are veterans lying or hyping up their war stories to get disability payments? There isn't always a clear-cut answer to that question. But it also doesn't help to pretend this problem doesn't exist. And to be clear, we don't know what the answer is. But we do know that it's not a victimless crime. There are veterans out there who are suffering the real physical and mental consequences of war. And vets like these telling fantasies to receive disability pay and other benefits are literally taking resources away from those who need help the most. They're suffering and waiting for either traumatic uh, PTSD, brain injury, knee injury, back injury, all these other things that they need to be uh, associated with their cert that was associated with their service on active duty. Mm -hmm. So while you're on active duty, they also have had problems with getting the mental health care that they need. There are two week delays right now in the VA to even get in for your first mental health exam. That does it for our debut episode of the EAS show. We'd like to thank John Mackler and everyone involved in helping us get this project off the ground. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and visit rtbmag.com for all the latest RTB content. The EAS show is produced and hosted by Dan Willis and Vinny Cataldo. See you next show.